WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has a 51 to 40 percent lead over Republican Tudor Dixon in the latest Epic MRA poll heading into the November 8th election. Bernie Porn is president of Epic MRA. I actually think that uh, the Whitmer lead uh, may well expand. Uh, if it were to get to 53 and uh, 54, 55 percent, I think then you could uh, potentially see uh, a coattail effect in terms of uh, other races uh, uh, like Congress and uh, state rep and uh, state Senate seats. Porn says Dixon's leading Whitmer in central and northern Michigan and among male voters. Incumbents, Attorney General Dana Nessel and Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson each have an 8% lead over their challengers in the same poll. Two teens are dead as a string of gun violence continues in one Niles neighborhood. Niles residents Debbie Galvin, age 15, and 18-year-old Yasmin Scott were shot and killed in a home at 620 North 6th Street in Niles late Tuesday night. Three others were injured in the latest shooting in a two-block radius in the city. The incident comes as the fourth shooting incident since August 16th in the same area, as well as the third and fourth murder. Police have said all the violence is related and stems from the shooting deaths of Ferries Maxwell on August 16th at Raccoon Clan on September 8th. The shooting of Maxwell happened on North 7th Street, just south of Ferry Street, while Glenn was shot and killed near North 6th and Ferry Street. Last week, police located over 30 spent shell casings in the road on Ferry Street between 5th and 6th Streets. Legislation designed to prevent a repeat of January 6, 2021 has been introduced in Congress with the backing of Congressman Fred Upton. He tells us the Electoral Count Reform and Presidential Transition Improvement Act changes a couple of things about an 1887 law that governs how presidential election results are certified in Congress. It identifies specifically what the vice president's role is. That The vice president is not able to change the outcome of the electoral vote, something that President Trump wanted Vice President Pence to do. It also raises the threshold of states or members of Congress objecting to a certain state's total. Right now it has to be only one member in the House and only one member in the Senate. Upton says the threshold would be 20% or more for of the chamber in question. He tells us that January 6th was a breakdown of the system. Legislation is bipartisan support in both the House and Senate. Whirlpool has announced it's entered into a second wind virtual power purchase agreement to speed up the process of reaching its goal to have net zero emissions in its plants and operations by 2030. The latest agreement with NG North America will represent 53 megawatts of renewable wind energy over 12 years. Whirlpool says that's the equivalent of removing 30,000 gas-powered vehicles from the road, displacing 321,000 barrels of oil used per year, or powering 27,000 homes per year. As part of its efforts to reach net zero emissions, Whirlpool's been making energy-efficient upgrades across its manufacturing plants while also investing in off-site renewable energy opportunities through, through virtual purchase power agreements. Whirlpool Director of Sustainability Ron Vogelweed says the latest agreement is a part of the company's commitment to sustainability and reducing its carbon footprint. The United Way of Southwest Michigan has received a $67,000 grant from the Michigan Health Endowment Fund for a project intended to improve the community's health. 
Marketing Director Jennifer Tomshack tells us they're going to use the funds to create a network of outward-looking groups to engage the community. It's about having community conversations and making sure that impact work starts with community conversations. So, for example, with a particular partner agency, it would involve having those kind of conversations with the people they serve so that they can bring that to the table and see even larger conversations that they might have with our other impact partners as well as us. And if everyone starts doing this, everyone in the community is the one leading the change Tom Shack says the United Way of Southwest Michigan wants the supporters of different community groups to talk about community health challenges. It's following a method developed by the Harwood Institute of Public Innovation called Turning Outward. She says this will ensure health challenges are faced in a way that considers the voices of individuals concerned. High schools around Michigan can now apply to take part in the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning's Strive for a Safer Drive campaign for the year. Program coordinator Kayla Thomas-Wright tells us Strive for a Safer Drive is a way for students to educate themselves on safe driving. We select up to 75 Michigan high schools, so any Michigan high school is eligible to apply, and these participating schools will educate on various traffic safety topics to educate their peers and community members. Schools chosen for Strive for a Safer Drive are given $1,000 to craft their campaigns. Thomas Wright says the best campaigns reach out to the community. Some schools will get their elementary, their middle school students involved to do coloring contests, do poster contests. Students will take a pledge to safe driving. Another component for winning schools is social media presence. At the end of the school year, the best campaigns get cash prizes. In the past, Benton Harbor Area Schools has taken part. This is their chance and the chance for all schools to sign up. The deadline to apply is November 14th, and we'll have a link for doing so at our website. And the Michigan Department of Transportation is working with the firm Electrion on building a road that serves as a wireless electric vehicle recharging station. MDOT spokesperson Michael Frizzell tells us Electrion has built such roads in Europe, and its one-mile pilot will be located in Detroit near the Michigan Central Depot site under development by Ford. Is it really possible to charge a vehicle while driving it? In a wide-scale view of it, yes. There is a way to charge a vehicle without having to connect to any type of wiring or plug-in or anything like this. And this can be done in motion or stationary. As an example, a transit bus could pull up to a bus stop and charge while it's sitting there and not have to touch any type of wire. Brazil says the pilot road will be on Michigan Avenue and parts of some side streets. Incidentally, Michigan Avenue in Detroit stretches out west, becoming U.S. 12 and reaching Berrien County and further points west. The pilot road under cons- is under construction now and is expected to be finished next year. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. The Federal Reserve has raised interest rates again. ABC's Derek Dennis has more. Wall Street dipped, then quickly recovered on the announcement of a three-quarters of a percent interest rate hike from the Fed. It's the third hike in a row from the Federal Reserve as it tries to curb the highest inflation the U.S. has seen in 40 years. Fed Chair Jerome Powell optimistic the move will work. My colleagues and I are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability. In the short-term borrowing costs, and everything from credit cards to car loans and mortgages will go up, but savings accounts will earn more interest on deposits. Derek Dennis, ABC News. Relatives say two U.S. military veterans who went missing while fighting Russia with Ukrainian forces have been released after about three months in captivity. 
Eight others, including five British nationals, were also released by Russian-backed separatists as part of a prisoner exchange mediated by Saudi Arabia. The families of 39-year-old Alex Druk and 27-year-old Andy Hewn announced the release today. The two men want to help Ukrainian forces and became friends because both are from Alabama. They went missing after their unit came under heavy fire in northeastern Ukraine June 9th. A relative says an official told her the two Americans are in pretty good shape. New York's Attorney General Letitia James today announced a $250 million civil lawsuit against Donald Trump and his interests. She said that they engaged in, quote, persistent and repeated business fraud. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. This is a sweeping lawsuit that alleges persistent fraud by the Trumps for 20 years. Donald Trump and his adult children are accused of grossly inflating Trump's net worth by billions of dollars. The New York Attorney General called the number of misleading and fraudulent financial statements prepared by the Trump Organization astounding, involving nearly every property in the Trump's portfolio, from golf courses to apartment buildings, the values of which the lawsuit said were way overstated in some cases by hundreds of millions of dollars. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. President Vladimir Putin in Russia says he won't hesitate to use nuclear weapons to protect Russian territory, a threat that comes as Moscow is poised to annex large parts of Ukraine that Moscow has taken over after hastily called referendums there. While the West has heard such rhetoric from him before, the circumstances are a bit different. In the Kremlin-orchestrated referendum set to start Friday, residents will be asked whether they want to become part of Russia, a vote that's certain to go Moscow's way. That means Russia could absorb those lands as early as next week. Some see this as a last-ditch attempt to force Ukraine and the West into accepting the current status quo in the conflict. President Biden today met on the sidelines of the United Nations General Assembly with the new British Prime Minister, Liz Truss, He spoke to reporters before the meeting began, and ABC's Karen Travers has the latest. President Biden said there was a full agenda for his first meeting with new British Prime Minister Liz Truss, Ukraine, China, Iran's nuclear ambitions, energy, and Northern Ireland. The president said he's looking forward to collaborating with Truss and hearing what's on her mind, saying there's a lot the two countries can continue to do together. And there's no issue that I can think of a global consequence where the United States and the United Kingdom are not working in cooperation. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. There are few places in the U.S. with a more deeply ingrained reputation as a refuge for immigrants than New York City. But for Mayor Eric Adams, reconciling that image with an influx of migrants sent to the city as part of a political tactic from several Republican governors is proving difficult. Adams says the city is struggling to accommodate asylum seekers, leading him to explore whether New York can ease its practices for sheltering the homeless or even temporarily house migrants on cruise ships. He's one of several leaders of Democratic-leaning jurisdictions facing a sudden test of their commitment to being sanctuary cities or states. Iranians are experiencing a near-total Internet blackout amid days of mass protests against the government there. They also lost access to Instagram and WhatsApp, two of the last Western social media platforms available in the country. An Iranian official today had hinted such measures might be taken out of security concerns. A boss of connectivity will make it more difficult for people to organize protests and share information about the rolling crackdown on dissent. Iran has seen widespread protests over the death of a 22-year-old woman who was detained for allegedly wearing the mandatory Islamic headscarf too loosely. Demonstrators have called for the downfall of the Islamic Republic, even as Iran's president addressed the U.N. Assembly. And imagine if every time you got in your car, it would check whether you're drunk before letting you drive. 
The NTSB wants that safety feature to be standard in every new vehicle soon. Morph, maybe he's Alex Stone. After a drunk driving crash last year that killed nine, including seven children near Fresno, the NTSB says it's time for vehicles to automatically check the driver for alcohol impairment. The technology is in development, but it would passively check a driver's breath or finger without the driver having to blow into a breathalyzer. San Jose State University engineering professor Ahmed Benafa. I look at this technology as it's part of this progression we see in the car technology. Volvo has been working on a system that would check for drunk driving using cameras. Alex Stone, ABC News. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.